Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey everybody, I'm Robert. And we're the Film Flamers. That's right. And uh, it's time for us to shoot the flames, but this is a very, very special shooting the flames. That's right. It's our fifth anniversary. Are you quite sure? Yes. We've been doing this for five years. Not six. Not six. Okay. Five. Yes. Five years. Yeah. And so actually the actual anniversary was actually today. Literally, I think yesterday or today. I know. I saw it on my, my Facebook memories this yeah, morning. It the, yeah. It was the fifth anniversary, five years since we released Copycat. What's the fifth anniversary, Gav? Is it paper? Uh, I don't know. Mixed securities. <laughs> Credit card. First. <laughs> First. Either way, I'll be expecting my gift once we stop recording the Shooting the Flames episode. It's ready, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's in the mail. <laughs> Undeliverable. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, like, I know every time we do an anniversary episode or around this time of year, we're always like, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Where do you believe? Yeah, because we we were talking about this when we launched. It's like, where will we be at five years? Mm-hmm. We didn't talk about ten years or two years. We talked about five years. Yeah. And I envisioned us maybe like doing some live stuff or like going and like you know doing some sort of like live session at one of the like horror festivals, you know. But we are actually a very laid back podcast, so we don't. <laughs> we're very reactive. <laughs> so other than like just advertising the episodes as they drop, we basically only respond to comments from our listeners. We don't do any advertising. We don't do any like pushes for reviews other than asking for them in our episodes. Like we don't do pay Google or whatever else for like ads or anything like that. So this is just completely our growth organically. And, uh, you know, we were, I think our first month we had like a couple of hundred listens Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, for month, you know, and now per month we're getting past like 7,000. And I mean, I th- I feel like this organic <clears throat> growth is shown. I mean, because I was looking at the document for this shooting the flames, there's a lot. We have a lot of comments, a lot of questions, voicemails, and things. I mean, so like we have a good, solid listener base. We and, do, and yeah. I feel like it's quality over quantity, <laughs> exactly. right? Which I like because we have really awesome patrons. Yep, with really awesome, thought provoking voicemails, emails, comments across all social media and Patreon. And so it's really, really worth it to kind of slowly cultivate that community. Mm-hmm. And we're actually planning on maybe having some sort of a meetup and maybe live recording sometime in 2024. That's right. I mean, I would like to. I mean, it doesn't have to be huge, you know? In fact, I would like it to be a little bit more intimate, you know, to get to know yeah. some people and then like meet people. So, I mean, as, as we get closer to things like the Overlook, right, you know, we, we might just like go ahead and start planning it and just see who comes or who RSVPs and go from there. Right. So, I mean, again, things happen and I feel like we're not far off from where we saw ourselves five years ago. Right. Like where we wanted to see ourselves five years from then. I don't know what we thought it would look like. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, like, I, I don't think we're too far off from doing some sort of live recording or at least meetups and things like that. So I'm happy about it. I was thinking, will I be comfortable with that level of celebrity? <laughs> and the answer is which is slightly and very adjacently the same level of celebrity that i was five years ago yes <laughs> yes i'm I super am very with okay that. with it <laughs> <laughs> i'm at the point in my life five years later where i feel like once i have my film flamers t-shirt on in the target people should walk up to me and be like oh my god do you know where the toilet paper is or something like that? <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> <laughs> Robert? 
<laughs> Tell me which movie to pick up in this bargain bin. <laughs> oh, that's a grab bag. <clears throat> Jeez. But we do have a lot to talk about and cover in this episode. So do you want to get started? Yeah, it's really like a blowout extravaganza of commentary. It is. It's commentary. Sheer commentary everywhere. Right. So, yeah, uh, starting with, we got a new review. Oh, it's been a minute? Yeah, right? it has. Yeah, and this is on Apple, obviously. Uh, and uh, this is from Nimbly Wembley, and he says, can't get enough. I've been listening since 2023. <laughs> Wait, I've been listening since the 2023 Overlook Film Festival, and now I'm going through their back catalog because I can't get enough. I look forward to starting every week with Robert and Chris, who are both funny, insightful, entertaining. I have learned to look at horror movies in a whole new way and can't wait to hear what they have to say about them or how they will crack themselves up over some random observation. We don't laugh on this podcast. No laughing. It's a very serious podcast. No. Nimble Wembley. <laughs> uh, thank you for that review, though. Um, it's been a minute. We're always happy to get them. And I like it when people call us funny and insightful and entertaining. Because mm. we are. <laughs> If you would like to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, head over there, give us that five-star rating, tell us why you like us, and we're going to read that on our next Shooting the Flames. That's right. And at this point, I think as far as ratings are concerned, we're only about 18 away from, a handful. from being eligible to be Rotten Tomatoes reviewers. Oh my God. And that has to happen too. If anything, guys. Because we have listens. We have everything else, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the reviews. For some reason, we're slow on the uptake for reviews compared to like basically every other podcast in the world. It's because everybody listens to us on Spotify. That's true. And I, I wish more would go off of that. So 18 reviews is not that much, guys. Even if you don't use an iPhone, you can go to Apple on the internet. Yeah. And this will actually answer a later question later in the episode from one of our listeners. Oh, good. Which is like, do I have to have an Apple device? And the answer is no. You can download the iTunes app mm -hmm. on your Windows uh, desktop or laptop or whatever. Um, you know, otherwise, I think you can download iTunes on Android. Maybe not. No. Maybe, Apple, well, Apple you can Music, Apple download Music? Apple Music. I don't know if podcasts are in there. Yeah. Apple Podcasts is a separate app. I yeah, I think, okay, Apple Podcasts might be a separate app or Android, but I do know for a fact that you can get iTunes on your desktop. Yeah. Uh, so if you were so inclined and wanted to, you know, put that many calories into reviewing us, awesome. That's how you can do it. Please and thank uh, you. If you do not have a, an Apple device, otherwise, don't worry about it. Yeah. Review us wherever you see fit. Spotify, uh, you know, wherever there's a review opportunity or a rating opportunity, give us a five-star review. If there's a, something to write in, you know, write us a piece of how much you love us, and we will read that on the next Shooting the Flames. That's right. So just any way you can. We like it. We love it. But let's get into some comments, too, which is easy for everyone to do, right, if you want to. Uh, so the first round of comments are coming from our deep dive into the ring uh, from last month. And Dave over on Instagram said, Naomi Watts, exclamation point, loved her since Tank Girl. Another highfalutin episode. Don't you know? Deke. Deke. <laughs> yeah, I actually didn't know she was in Tank Girl. I've never seen Tank Girl. I've seen Tank Girl. But I have not seen it in a long time and I didn't realize that she was in it. So I was like reading the synopsis for that because I was curious and I was like, wait, did she play like Jet Girl or something? Or like, what did she play? And then also uh, I was looking and I was like the premise, like the whole front premise of this reads exactly like Mad Max Fury Road. Tank Girl? Yeah. Yeah. Except for the story beyond like the premise. It sounds like this guy's been hoarding water and it's like 10 years after a nuclear or the drought holocaust or something from a comet hitting the earth or something. So I don't know. It just I watched feels that like... movie a lot when I was younger. In fact, there's a moment in that movie that I put into my early spank bank. It was one of my first deposits. Oh, 
My goodness. Interesting. I should watch it again. 1995. Never seen it. Whew. I'm old. Anyway, Jules0808 over on Insta said, I saw this in the theater by mistake as an 11 year old and it traumatized me for months. Now it's one of my favorite horror films along with the original. Ooh. Yep. So talking about the ring. Nikki over on threads. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's going to take some getting used to. Right. <clears throat> Thanks for inspiring us to rewatch this. I couldn't remember much about the movie except the jump scares, but got a new appreciation for the plot. And now I'm very curious about the other versions. Yeah. And we're going to get into a little bit more about that later. Obviously, we talked about it in Ring and Ring 2 and our Ringu episode on Patreon. Yep. Uh, so if you want to look at that, especially the first Ring episode, we go into the entire franchise and how many there are. Which I didn't even know about. Yeah. And then the whole series of books and everything Mm -hmm. else. So you're going through the books and at least one patron is going through all of the series. Yeah. Uh, That's available on YouTube apparently. So we'll get into that later. Everything you can find. Yep. Also threads. We're not on X anymore. (laughs) No, we are on X. I know. Cause I was thinking about this actually. I was like, when we get to the social media part, I'm like, I've got to remember to not say Twitter. Apparently we're on X. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But are we though? Are we just on threads? (laughs) I don't know. I mean, we're on X. We're keeping a watchful side eye on X. Yeah. There's, it's like, it's like a fucking ghost town on X these days. <laughs> like, it's like they X'd everybody out of it. I don't know. Yeah. Nobody wants to do it. Porn's still on there, though. There's that. Oh, did you see the ad? I love the ad that the, that they just released. It was like marketing genius. So was, I don't know if it was like the ASPCA or like Animal or something. Like, I don't know who it was, Greenpeace or something, uh, or Animal Extinction Awareness or something. And uh-huh. so it showed the Twitter bird logo throughout time. And then it goes to an X and it was like, um, pay attention to your natural word before it all goes away or whatever. And oh I was like, God. Oh my God, this is genius. That They're going to get so genius. many fucking donations. <laughs> I love it, but I hate X. <clears throat> I, w- I woke up in the morning and my entire phone looked different and I couldn't figure out why. And I was like, something's not right. And then I was like, Oh, it's the Twitter logo. Like it's yeah. gone. You can type in Twitter or you can type in X. And then now they have to put X formally Twitter. It's like, you know, the artist formerly known as Prince or something. Well, because on Apple, they have to, you have to have a certain number of characters to have an app. So it's called Twitter, but it says X on the logo. Stupid. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure they're going to change that to X and then say formally Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the app was Twitter. Yeah. Twitter. <laughs> anyway. Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, Japanese movie request, House from 1977. I'm excited to watch a Japanese horror comedy. This was and remains one of the scary movies I remember ever watching as a teen. Although I really didn't like horror at the time, I still liked this one for some reason. I really haven't seen it recently enough to know or remember why it appealed to me. I guess it's time for a rewatch. Also, I always appreciate a dig at Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> what was that? I was like, Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold day. Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold day is what he said somewhere. We're trying to like, in the sober ourselves up or something. I can't, I cannot remember like the context in which you said that. But when I was listening to that episode, listening back to it, I was just like, what? <laughs> so apparently. Yeah. And I, I could have sworn Battle Burrito had seen House from 1977 more recently because he was telling me to watch it. I watched it just about a year ago. And there's another one from House that I remember as a kid. The American House. Yeah. Ding Dong, You're Dead. Ding Dong, You're Dead, which I enjoyed. I like I like House and House It's very Muppety. Yes. Super Muppety. And so is this, kind of. It's like Japanese Muppety. Though. Okay. It's I'm, good. I'm I mean, good. like, I like, I feel like eventually- and Japanese already has like kind of the Muppety kind of built in, you yeah. know? Well, I mean- 
Yes. But Nicole over on Patreon said, I second house 1977. Also audition the eye and from serial TV, 30 monedas and the incomparable Los Spookies. <laughs> Never heard of it. Uh, so Nicole, I've heard of the eye, but I think she's with the Japanese version uh, audition. I've certainly heard of house is on my, I've added all these to my watch list, by the way, but I have not heard of this last two. So 30 minutes, she recommended us before. I think it's a sort of like a, wait, 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 is that 30 coins? Yeah. 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 That's on my list. Yeah. It's like TV shows, but I can't add them to my watch list from letterbox because they're TV shows. Right. So I, I, I tried to add, um, uh, evil and I tried to add from the other people to my list, but they don't exist on letterbox. So I, so have to maintain a separate I need list to watch 30 coins for sure. And yeah, anything called Los spookies. Like, I feel like, I feel like I need to watch that. For sure. Los Spookies. Los Spookies. <laughs> Atoraros Dos. Los Spookies. Love it. <laughs> Rosie Ray Leader on Patreon said, "Um, I'm so totally with Robert and that her having psychic abilities went over my head. Thank you. For real though, loved this film when I first saw it in high school. The girls' uniforms looked like mine and loved it upon rewatch this year, last year. Atmosphere, acting, and effects are all amazing, and I still jump at parts of it. Also, loved seeing Adam Brody and the girl from NCIS making early career cameos. Yeah, we totally clocked Adam Brody, too. I'm so glad there's somebody else out there who didn't realize that she had a psychic ability for, like, decades. I was just like, what? I mean, now, when I watched it this last time, I was like, psychic? What the fuck? I can see that now, really. I was confused during, you know, but I can see like having watched the movie and having some distance from it. I can see how you could see that. Like it's just a ghost thing or something. Yeah. It just seems really high concept to be just like, oh, it's on a videotape. It was really highly, weirdly specific. So with the whole imprinting on on walls and everything else, like to me, I connected to the dots really quick while I was watching it. But it totally makes sense now that like it, it's dawned on me apparently. But at the time, I just like accepted it for what it was. And I was just like, well, there's a videotape. It's cursed. It exists. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. But now that I know that she can do this, it makes way more sense. Anthony over on Patreon said, I'm with Chris. I would totally die in a ring scenario. My husband loves to joke that I'd be the one to release the demons in any Evil Dead movie. And he isn't wrong. Uh, Nope. I would do the same thing. I would totally play the record, say the words... Because I just, I'm just, I'm just really just threatening life to be more interesting than it is. Well, and I like would probably stick around for it. You know what I mean? Like if you started playing that record, I'd be not paying attention or paying attention to something else. And be like, what's this song? (laughs) (laughs) And then all of a sudden I'm possessed. (laughs) I would only do terrible things. Oh my God. I'd love to see a Muppety Sam Raimi version of you. (laughs) Oh my God. You already have. It's that bitch in the cellar from Evil Dead 2. (laughs) Henrietta. Henrietta. (laughs) <laughs> Someone's been in my food cellar. I mean, like, that's me. <laughs> Question answered. Alex over on Patreon said, I'm very excited for the possibility of more J horror and international horror in general from this podcast. Us too. We're going to continue. We have a promise for next year. We've already actually put it on the docket for the grudge that's and right. Juan. I'm so excited for least. that. So, yes. Ready to talk about the grudge. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bennett over on Patreon said, more than anything about this movie, I love the incredibly absorbing mood and atmosphere. It perfectly captures what a very rainy day in the Pacific Northwest feels like. There may not be as strong tones of green, but the overall vibe is just as strong. I'm glad you guys talked at length about Hans Zimmer's score for the film, but I should point out this is not his only horror entry. The previous year, he composed the score for Hannibal. If that doesn't count as horror, then what does? Uh, it doesn't. It's horror adjacent. Uh, I mean, we can't make the argument that The Sons of the Lambs was the only horror movie to win Best Picture and not call it sequel horror as well. 
Yeah, I guess. It's more of a, like, this one's really thrillery. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and he sounds like he's got a horror adjacent, you know? Yeah. Which is fine, um, but like his 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 only straight up horror film, like tried and true straight up horror film, is The Ring, yeah. and I stand by that statement. But um, I did see that because I was I went back to kind of double check myself, and mm-hmm. I did see Hannibal, and I was just like that was it kind of, <clears throat> and I was like if he's only done one horror and then one horror adjacent, like he's da- you know every every genre has a dabble in horror for a moment or something for at least one musical cue or something, uh, but for like a straight through and through horror, this is his only one. Yeah, but do, do you even remember the score from Hannibal? No. Do you remember anything about Hannibal? My, my favorite part of Hannibal is the opera in it. Mm. So it's just not a memorable Hans Zimmer score for me. I like when Ray Liotta eats his brain. Yeah, I have uh, one, the opening, I think it's the opening track or the, the just like the suite for Hannibal. And I do like, I do like that music and I have it on my repeat playlist for film scores. I don't know that I'll ever rewatch that movie. But I think it uses the opera score. So mm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, whatever. Moving on. It's a good call out. From our outtakes, uh, which we just released, Matthew T. McHenry from Instagram said, love that this always lines up with my birthday month. He he comments on every single one of our outtakes episodes. He's the one who made that Jaws meme. You know, like, so at least we have one fan of our outtakes. But apparently we have another one because Nico over on Facebook said, awesome episode. The part where Robert sang better than Ezra was hilarious. (laughs) Better than Ezra. (laughs) It was. I was God. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to bust into another better than Ezra song. I was just like (laughs) throwing my better than Ezra knowledge out there. And these are the only two comments we got from outtakes. That's sad. Because I always feel like when we throw episodes out into the wilderness, you know, I always, into the ether, I always wonder how they're going to be you know, react, but especially outtakes because they can be really kind of raunchy and dirty and weird and politically incorrect. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like trusting our audience to kind of get it, especially since a lot of them are in jokes that just have no explanation. Well, apparently they do. Cause don't we have a voicemail coming up? We kind of do. Right. And you haven't even heard it yet. I'm so I excited. Told you about it. It's great. <laughs> Cause I also love our outtakes episodes. Like I want more people to be like, Oh my God, this is fucking hilarious. Yeah. But I don't know. At the end of the day, as long as I think it's funny. Exactly. Might as well share it. Some people love it. That's right. From our deep dive into the ring two TWO, the Jamie Grayson on Instagram said, this intro to your episode is unhinged. Laugh emoji, laugh emoji, dear. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That was such a risk. It was so funny, though. I mean, like, I could barely contain myself trying to read it. <laughs> so. <laughs> I had to go back and listen to that like four times because it's just so fucking hilarious. It's so the way funny. you read it. <laughs> you wrote, you read it exactly how I thought. Like, I know how you're going to read things. And so yeah. I will write things knowing how you're going <laughs> to read it and laugh. And so like, it's great to write for like, I guess, it must be how like a writer feels for like um, an actor on a show or something. For real. When they like kind of in sync. So Yeah. Um, and I knew how you were going to say Dick Cheney, which is great. <laughs> I don't know. Dick Cheney. <laughs> so this is what five years of a podcast will bring you. You're like writing a synopsis, knowing how I'm going to read it. I love it. So predictable. For me, it's like the, the hard stuff, like getting all the technical boat jargon, jargon in that was in our uh, fifth outtakes yeah. that has continued. I tried to like get you back for that. <laughs> several times probably recently too mm-hmm. um i think it was batman returns yep. was one and then like recently like it's another one yeah like even post batman Returns. yeah and so i tried to like get you to do all that boat jargon um again like you know releasing the line or whatever or sever like, the line sever the line and release the clampets or <laughs> release the cleats sever yeah. the line <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that got me keep doing it shit 
Penelope over on Instagram said, at the Jamie Grayson, I don't know about you, but I laughed so hard I cried a few times. I certainly did. I cried while I was reading it. Jules G0808 over on Instagram said, this was totally a cash grab film. Boring. Lack of scares. Reused jump scares from the original. Horrible. But I am so glad you gentlemen covered it. That's what we do here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we do the heavy lifting so you don't have to. Battle Burrito over on Patreon said, when the VHS started screaming, I died. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. It's the best part of that movie. Yeah, for real. <laughs> and the deer scene. And the deer scene. Yeah. That prominent deer. Uh, Alex over on Patreon said, the only thing I'll remember about this movie is that sassy ass deer in their gang. Right. <laughs> That's why I had to segue in the synopsis to see what they were doing. <laughs> that fucking deer gave so much side eye in the ring TWO. It's just yeah. like, what? <laughs> David Raymond Clark over on Spotify. Mm. said, get away from that television, you bitch. And peanut butter and Vicodin sandwich are running through my head as I prepare a serious monologue. Can't keep a straight face. Ha ha, bless y'all, bitch. Deek. Bitch! (laughs) (laughs) Peanut butter and Vicodin sandwich. I could go for one of those, actually. Mm. From our Shooting the Flames episode in July, so last month, Nikki over on Instagram said, we agree with my aliens comment. The aliens comment about the brown face, if you recall, yeah. We agree with my aliens comment. Like I said, different time, different conditions, and I heart the character and the actor's performance. I just rewatched it and had to comment. Glad to have a space to virtually discuss. Glad to hear thoughts from at film Professor Bear. His wife and I have squealed, running through a haunted house behind him as a shield. I hope something on Chris's list scares him. Also, no ads on my end and Stitcher, where I act, where I usually listen to you, oh, is wow. shutting down. Hmm. So I'm moving here to Spotify to listen. My hubby has seen all the saws, I think. Wow. Okay. So he's seen nine of them. Good Lord. Yeah. I think that's an important conversation to have, Nikki, and I'm so glad we had it. And it's actually going to continue because one of our other listeners had something to say as well. Ooh. And that's coming up. So Glazed Donut over on Patreon said, I'll admit that I have MGM Plus, which used to be named Epics. But only because I'm watching the horror show From, which just had the second season finale in June. I don't know if either of you ever heard of From because it doesn't get much attention and the name of it doesn't help. It's from the producers of the show Lost, and it stars the always great and always underrated Harold Perrineau. It's about a town that traps everyone. Make my ups made of me. Sorry. <laughs> I love that line. Harold Perrineau. I love a it. It's a national treasure. Pox on all your houses. Uh, it's about a town that traps everyone that enters it and the inhabitants can't get out. Uh, can't go out at night due to monsters that rip them and eat them apart. I thought there was already a show about this called The Dome or something. Anyway, there's a lot of mystery surrounding the town, and there is some rough around the edges acting from unknowns, but it has some real creepiness to it. It received a little of the attention the first season due to Stephen King tweeting about how much he enjoyed it, and the second season has consistently been number one for top ten shows streaming on Amazon, in the U.S. at least. If you can get any time, check out season one trailer on YouTube and see what you think. Uh, yeah, I kind of want to watch this show. Definitely. But is it, it really MGM Plus? I thought it, could, it was like on HBO or something else. I, do, I wouldn't have to get MGM Plus. I could obviously watch it on Amazon based on her statistics. Yeah. I don't need another fucking no. subscription platform. I have Paramount Plus life. and fucking AMC Plus randomly with yeah. Shudder uh, and HBO Max and Netflix. So and, we have all the pluses. Yeah. MGM Plus. Like Hulu Plus, whatever the fuck. Like I, that's too many at this point. But Boosie Plus. Oh. <laughs> 
Jessica E over on Patreon said, I second this one from is a great show. I'm still only halfway through season one. I, I know where the hell have I been or me or us or everyone, but I, <laughs> but I haven't been able to properly binge it. So I'm savoring it. Ooh. It feels much more horror than lost in ways I can't describe. I guess Lost was more like strange things happening all over the island, where From has straight-up horror happening almost every night, making the stakes very high. I like it a lot. Sounds like a good segue. Um, Some of the best elements from Lost where its horror elements were, which was a significant part of the show. Yeah. Uh, I actually still love the show Lost. I don't really like how it ended. Mm. Um, And I don't like how they had to – they just like – they couldn't – they had to write within a boundary of don't show the mystery box because of J.J. Abrams. They should have gotten a showrunner that was willing to have some flexibility for the later seasons because, you know, otherwise they just kind of started rehashing until it ended. And you're right, because I, I got really fucking bored with Lost after a while. It started well, out very strong. Well, plus you could not miss. It was, it's, a, it's a show ahead of its time because it needs to be binged. But to have season breaks or week to weeks, you know, with some gaps, like you're not going to follow that fucking show. Nope. I didn't. I didn't. After was, a while, I was just like, nope. And there was no monster. Of the, there was almost like, I think there was only like one or two Monster of the Week episodes. That was it. Mm-hmm. Everything follows a, a, a character, you know, and it goes from thing to thing. So if you were, that was the joke. If you missed one episode, you would be lost. <laughs> and eventually I was just like, stop posing more questions than you give answers. Like, yeah. just, that's enough. You got timey-wimey and all that stuff. Spiritual Stop it, Lost. You're drunk. Yeah, I wanted them to veer more into sci-fi than into spiritual fantasy, but whatever. That's what we got. Bennett over on Patreon said, I know we don't see eye to eye on Jesse Eisenberg, but I would also argue he is not the twinkiest of twinks. That title belongs to Timothy Chalamet. That's right. But uh, Timothy Chalamet is not quite as annoying. Not quite. They're two sides of the same coin. Not annoying and annoying twink. I mean, but he's right, though. Like, Timothy Chalamet is the twinkest of twinks, I guess. Jesse Eisenberg is super annoying, though. Yeah, Timothy Chalamet annoys me a little bit. Um, But, like, let's say Dune starred Jesse Eisenberg instead of Timothy Chalamet. I never would have fucking seen it. Not a million years. (laughs) What I'm picturing in my head right now. And that looks like garbage. Yeah. (laughs) Everything with him in it looks like garbage. Bavarium. Yes. Case in point. Yes. <laughs> From our bonus episode on The Whale, George over on Patreon says, thank you guys for covering this. I steered clear of this film despite loving Aronofsky's movies. Everyone that I knew uh, that watched this, friends who love good cinema and love Aronofsky's work, slammed it. So I was very skeptical of that and the controversies that the fat phobia issues and having a not overweight straight actor playing this character. Brendan Fraser's overweight. I don't have as strong of an issue with straight actors playing gay roles, but... There are larger gay actors that have no doubt are overlooked for so many roles. All of that aside, you both gave a positive review on this, and I am going to now watch. See, it's just, just, you know, I love the world we should be living in, but not the world that we actually live in, you know, type of situation, because Aronofsky is not going to direct and a studio is not going to pay for someone without an actual recognizable household name. Yeah. So, you know, who's going to play gay? Uh, who who are people going to get behind for like an indie, like uh, award-winning season kind of setting? Um, and, you know, they found a, a straight cis guy that's overweight and hasn't worked in a while that everyone can get behind in Brendan Fraser. So it was excellently cast in that regard. Well, and also like sometimes- and he did a great job and he, sh- and he deserved the fucking Oscar. You just have to like pick the best person for the role, you know, and then make it happen. 
And I feel like he did an excellent job, more than an excellent job in that movie. Would I have watched it or have been as intrigued with it if it wasn't Brendan Fraser and that kind of story? I'd hope to think I, I would have, but I probably wouldn't have because it probably never would have reached my ears. And may not have been nominated for the things that it was. I exactly. mean, who knows? I mean, like his performance in this is fucking magical. Yeah. His casting and his performance gave this film legs that would not would have ordinarily had. And I, I mean, I completely agree with you, George. I feel like people like overweight gay actors need to be on screen. Right. I mean, I like to see people that I feel like represent me as a overweight gay guy. Yeah. You know, but like when when there's a part for them, sure, you know. But it's almost like Aaron. Maybe they didn't like it uh, for as far as like the Anna Aronofsky piece of it. It's just like it's almost like his most straightforward film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's conventional. Very, his most conventional film, very much so, because it doesn't feel like an Aronofsky. It doesn't movie to me not at all. all. But I love it because I expect like a big epic, like cinematography and like wide shots and like a uh, you know. a clint mansell score or something you know it totally became one of my favorite movies of last year like yeah for sure after watching this Mm -hmm. so i i hope that you went and watched it i would love to know what you think about it um so tell us please yep james amen over on patreon said is the audio bad for everyone or just me yeah normally we wouldn't put in comments like this one but i did want to attribute it um we had some problems on our shooting the flames episode i think as well as that episode something was going on with our mics and um we have fixed the issue theoretically. So hopefully, yes, we changed computers that it records on. I'm going to open this beer. Hold on. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Unfortunately, that sound comes from Robert. <laughs> <laughs> also said, uh, while we're on the, the, you know, subject of audio correctness, he says, Oh, you pronounced my name like, oh man, but fast. Amen. 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 Sorry. I drink a lot and you lads are keeping me alive. My God. Sorry. I'm just venting now. I'm so jealous of your friendship. <laughs> Hey, James Almond. <laughs> I drink a lot too. Come be my friend. It's okay. One is never so rich. They don't have too many drinking friends. Right. Right. From our deep dive into gods and monsters, George over on Patreon said, listening to Shooting the Flames July now and got to the comments part. One, I also love Deke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a child. <laughs> Wait, that came out wrong. <laughs> or did it? I love the ending of your show with the Deke Entertainment as well. He's not the only one. <clears throat> Second, Gods and Monsters was a great episode. It was it was a sillier episode than I expected it to be, but still fun. Thank you for covering it. Not enough people do. I also realized I need to comment more. I've been slacking, but I am always listening. We oh, know okay. you're always there, George. Yeah. In the background. <clears throat> I, yeah. Follow, I follow you on Letterboxd. I saw what you gave talk to me. <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like all of our episodes are sillier than people expect at this point. I know. I mean, this is what happens. This is what five years of podcasting will do, we, right? Yeah. We're just like, are we just funnier or do we just not care anymore? <laughs> Can't it be both? <laughs> I'm a serious journalist. <laughs> We're always funny. That's the answer. Nikki over on Patreon said, I decided to watch Gods and Monsters before listening to this episode, and I kept waiting for the horror as I watched the movie. I enjoyed the movie. I'm a longtime Brendan Fraser fan and his goofy, overly expressive faces. Yes. And I'm going to need for you to post the, the synopsis of this movie somewhere. I feel like I missed the jokes, but Robert's laughter made me laugh. Again. I don't remember what our jokes were. Uh, well, you wrote that one, so clearly I was laughing hysterically this is the thing is that you know when i was reading the ring two w o 
And even you shared this. You were like, I don't know if people are going to hear what you said because I could not stop laughing while I was reading it. I need to remember to stop and compose myself a little bit. But where's yeah. the fun in that? Right? Yeah. Bennett over on Patreon said, I've been putting off thanking you tired queens for finally covering this, finally covering this horror adjacent biopic, which I recommended to you two years ago. Took you long enough. And like you, I also have murky feelings about the film's portrayal of what is arguably John Wills' toxic behavior around younger men. On, <clears throat> on the one hand, I can relate to the title character, but I relate stronger to Brendan Fraser's character and his feelings of being used and exploited in the situation. I especially remember seeing this as a college student and feeling disturbed that some things about their relationship hit a little close to home for me. I won't go into details, but at the time, it made me realize that some things about a friendship I had with a much older man and how unhealthy it had become for me. I also knew a fellow student who was actively pursuing sugar daddies in the film industry, and my vague memories of what he told me further creeped me out. As much as I love movies, the industry is full of older male predators. Yeah, for both women and men. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, we took your suggestion seriously, Bennett, obviously, and covered this movie. We just found the right movie to pair it with, yep. for sure. But I feel like when you suggested it, we were excited about it at the time. And Yeah, we had yeah. already both seen it, I mm -hmm. think. And yeah. we both wanted to do it. Like a lot of this stuff, you know, um, people have asked about or and continue to ask about movies that we just can't do everything at once. Mm -hmm. All right, we got to do two movies and we try and do a theme each month, you know? So. I mean, for people who like, like House 77 was recommended by two, two listeners, right? We've, we've been wanting to do that for a couple yeah. of years, you it's, know? So it's, 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 it's on so the, many. it's on the proto doc. But I love that. Yeah. At five years, we've been doing two movies a month on average. Um, if you count Patreon more, mm -hmm. um, for five years and we still have so many movies to cover. And the thing is, is that the things that we already want to do people are excited about you yeah. know i mean so like we, we promise you like if there's a movie you want us to cover chances are chris and i have talked about covering it at this point and we have a big enough catalog now that some people are going and they're searching and they're listening to our backlog and they still are like you need to cover this one and i actually like reply uh -huh. hey we actually got it over here yep, you know? here it is or what do you think about these movies like, actually we did this uh you know we did this top 10 over there you know so, but also ultimately, Bennett, I'm glad that you like <clears throat> came to a realization about some things because being in that kind of a situation seems very not pleasant, right? So, I think as you get older and you can realize the situations that you were in and be glad that you didn't have to keep going through it, right? From our deep dive into apt pupil. Nikki over on Patreon said, um, how did y'all not mention the only person of color in this movie? The amazing Joe Morton. Yeah, he doesn't do much in this role, but I love him all the same. At the end of this movie, I kept thinking, "Ugh, really? The Nazi dies on his terms and the privileged white kid is getting away with all of this? Along with your hashtag me too discussion made me a bit stuck in a negative space thinking about who gets away with literal and metaphoric murder. Okay, shaking that feeling off. Whew. Anyway, overall, I enjoyed the rewatch. So... Uh, we love Joe Morton. Yes. Here at the Film Flamers. Obviously, we sung his praises and I feel like kissed his ass a little bit. In Terminator 2. In Terminator 2, of which his performance should have really been up for like some sort of supporting actor role, in my opinion. 
Uh, he's also been in like uh, of Mice and Men, Speed, Blues Brothers, Two Thousand, What Lies Beneath. He's in the Justice League franchise. Uh, he's won an Emmy kind of recently ish for Scandal. He's big on TV right now, I think. Uh, so he's everywhere, and uh, he's an amazing talent, and we love him. But I don't think we mentioned him because he was only in the movie for maybe like three minutes. Yeah. Well, and also I feel like in that episode it was kind of overshadowed by a lot of other things. Like there were a lot of really heavy themes in that movie to touch on. Yeah. And I feel like in that situation, or at least that deep dive, we talked more about like the movie Ness than the movie itself, right? Yeah. Yeah, and plus the, the, that part of the plot was more like they just needed two guys to come in and like act as like the end, you know, the Deus Ex Machina kind of situation. Mm-hmm. And um, he was kind enough to play that role for them. But we do love some Joe Morton. Yes. For sure. For real. So we have some questions and such. And uh, Nico over on Instagram sent us um, some very long DMs. And here are just some parts of it. She says, hi, guys, I wanted to do a quick ride in with some content ideas I thought you would enjoy. The first one is a movie called The Dark and the Wicked. (laughs) You probably heard about this one. It was done by the same guy who did The Strangers. That movie scared the crap out of me, and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. The other two are older, but so good, and I haven't seen any one podcast about them, which is surprising because I think they're both real gems. Do you guys remember a Robin Williams film called One Hour Photo? Of yep. course. It's on Hulu currently, and I forgot how legitimately terrifying it was until rewatch. Oof. Robin Williams was amazing in serious roles, and I miss him still and forever. Last but not least, the talented Mr. Ripley. I love, love, love this film, and it is classified as a thriller like Silence of the Lambs, but I believe it has more on-screen violence and death than silence. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Definitely at least horror-adjacent and an absolutely stellar cast. Would love to hear you guys do this as well. You know, I've never seen Talented Mr. Ripley. I would love... You've never seen it? No. And I've never seen One Hour Photo, but I know about it. So I have been pushing for Mr. Ripley at least like on the sides to be a Pride Month episode. Speaking of which, maybe One Hour Photo we could pair with (laughs) um, Nolan's film with Robin Williams, which I think is Insomnia. Uh, which Matt told me is an excellent horror adjacent film. I don't think I've seen that movie. Yeah. So that would be an interesting pairing. And obviously dark and the wicked was on our top 10 films of the year for like 2020 or 2021 or something Something around there. Yeah. And it's also on my personal, my private list of movies that actually scared me as a grown ass adult. Yeah. It's a fucking terrifying movie. Yeah. And so is The Strangers. This is why, like, when this man makes a movie, I'm going to be there for it. Because I know I'm going to be fucking terrified. The Strangers is on that list and Dark and the Wicked is on that list. So he's the only director that is twice on that list for me. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, good things from him. And I'm sure that eventually we'll probably do a Strangers deep dive. We'll probably do a Dark and the Wicked deep dive. You know, we just have to find the right time for those. Yeah. One Hour Photo, I mean, like, I saw once when it came out and I liked it. I think it's really creepy. So, I mean, it's probably probably worth a rewatch for sure. His movies just give you this feeling like you're not supposed to be watching it. And it's not something that's like super shocking going on on screen necessarily. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. But I mean, like, you know, nothing so over the top that it would be, you know. I think when those shopping, when those shopping the feelings, happen, the tone I'm going for, for sure. you know. Yeah. Well, in like, his movies, he's really good at dread. My God. And... Mr. Ripley. I mean, I I feel like that would be a really, really good Pride Month episode, right? I am ready to talk about that. I like that movie a lot. So I thought for sure you had seen this movie. How did you miss that? I don't know. Um, it seemed a little highfalutin. It is a little highfalutin. Yeah. 
It looked a little great expectations. I think it's it the same director as like the fucking constant guard. Anything with like Gwyneth Paltrow in it just felt yeah. around in the late nineties area. Just, they all felt like stop. Yeah. You know, you're Oscar baiting. You're just throwing Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> Full stop. No cap. At the screen, at the audience and hoping for an Oscar. <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> and somehow Shakespeare in love won. You know, fuck. I will never because of fucking Weinstein. Anyway, Anyway, to answer your question, yes, <clears throat> a lot of these movies we would consider, some of them we're already considering, and we have seen. So, But she continued. I also listened to the episode where you guys uh, going to the film festival in New Orleans. What an amazing experience. Did you guys stay at the Train Hotel? Your talk of Anne Rice during the episode inspired me to reread The Vampire Chronicles, which I haven't done since the 90s or 2000s. I was quite surprised by how many of them there are now. I think I only read to Memnock previously, so thank you for getting me to revisit those. I did reread the Witching Hour trilogy back during the lockdown, and it is still breathtaking and amazing. I've never read that. I highly recommend it. You know I think I need to break down and figure out Patreon for you guys, because I need me some bonus material, and I would love to be a member of the Flamers family. Hope you're both having a fantastic summer. And yes, we are having a fantastic summer because we would love to have you as a patron. That's right. Come join the patron family. Yeah. The Flamers family. Is it like the Manson family? We've got a shit ton of bonus episodes now, like a hundred bonus episodes or something now. That's right. It would take you a long time to get through them. Yeah. So do it. Um, I downloaded all the Vampire Chronicles novels to my Audible. Yeah, if you can get past uh, The Tale of the Body Thief, Memnock the Devil is one of my favorite books of all time. We did not stay at the Pontchartrain. Um, I've had drinks in the Pontchartrain, though. So it's a... I no, know we like to are. stay on the, Air- the Airbnbs. Yeah, we like our personal space away from the paparazzi and such when we go down to the Overlook. Yeah. <laughs> Clamoring. <laughs> they don't recognize me because I hide in all this fat. <laughs> <laughs> What a very Brendan Fraser thing to say. Um, (laughs) But speaking of the Overlook, they have announced their dates for 2024. So starting August the 2nd, or possibly before, we will be in New Orleans ready for that film festival. You said August. Sorry. April 2nd, or possibly (laughs) before, we will be in New Orleans ready for that film festival. So uh, everyone, including Nico, come visit. Kylie over on Instagram said, hello, Chris and Robert. Hope this reaches you. I discovered you guys about a month or so ago and have been an avid listener ever since. I just caught your new episode on The Ring. Funnily enough, my boyfriend, sister, and I are headed to Seattle for the weekend to visit a friend. I had already planned on scoping out a few ring filming locations while there, so this episode came as a coincidental surprise. I giggled when you guys mentioned Sadaku versus Kaku, which I'm sure I'm butchering still. As it is one of my favorite new watches this year, I implore you to check it out. I believe it's still on Shudder. Is it perfect? No. But what? But what it is, in my opinion, is a lot of fun. Will it have you going, huh? A lot, but in the best way. Don't take it too seriously. Just enjoy the weird ride for what it is. Maybe that's what we should watch tonight. <laughs> Mayhaps. I don't know. Maybe we should say Maybe we'll have it as a pl- palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> mostly we're gonna go sit in a room by ourselves and like turn the lamp on and off yeah and just roll the ball yeah the plan patrons uh and listeners is that we are going to be watching sallow or 120 120 days of, days Sodom. of Sod- sodom tonight so we'll see what that is 
I got it from the Criterion Collection, so it's kind of highfalutin, right? It's a little highfalutin, but highfalutin in a very traumatic way. Oh, well. We'll find out. We'll see. Kylie continued over on Instagram. Now that I've successfully spammed your inbox, the last thing I'll say is that I've been watching Asian horror movies since I was in junior high school, probably earlier. I was the kid dressed up as Samara for Halloween, while all my friends were cheerleaders or go-go dancers and sexy versions of Dorothy Gale. I had a group of friends for a sleepover one year where we watched The Ring, and the moment Rachel finished the tape, my parents called our landline from another room. We all screamed when the phone started ringing. I have such a nostalgic passion for this niche area of film and would love to listen to you guys cover some more of them. Fantastic job on each of your episodes, and keep up the great work. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kylie. And our favorite people are the people who go as Samara for Halloween and not sexy Dorothy Gates. Yeah, like get new friends. Fuck. For real, though. <laughs> Gosh. I would have loved that. Although I think my one of my favorite costumes one year of the neighborhood was Britney Spears, but it was a group of five people through the five stages of Britney Spears' career. And <laughs> oh my they God, had like the two Brady? guys. Yeah, there was the guy with the shaved head, <laughs> and there was another guy, but um, it had the short skirt with the no underwear, and so oh, it was like it. this literal like stuffed animal beaver <laughs> underneath. The- <laughs> Uh, we really enjoyed talking about the ring and like it inspired me to like look more into it. So I am listening to the book currently and liking it. Yeah. So Nicole over on threads again said at the film flamers, the new exorcist trailer is running before Oppenheimer and I have a lot of feelings. I heard the first tubular bell and squealed a lady just down from me gasped and then clapped. I'm cautiously optimistic, but also it was unsettling, which is definitely a good thing. Oppenheimer is so very good. No comment. I was going to say, do you have something to say? No, I don't. I have nothing to say. You have nothing to say about Oppenheimer? I did see the trailer before Oppenheimer. That's right. And we're going to be talking about that trailer in just a little bit. It was definitely a trailer. It was a trailer. I didn't see it. And Oppenheimer was certainly a movie. I have not seen Oppenheimer. Well. And I, I don't know yet. You have plenty of time to do so. That's right. I have my entire life. Yes, my you entire do. existence. Yes. <laughs> uh, stay tuned, Nicole. We are going to talk about that trailer in just a minute. <clears throat> Glaze Donut over on Patreon said, in my response to new merch, I'm hoping these are still available next month as I purchased and received my cow eyes light blue sweatshirt for fall. Seeing as it's hotter than Satan's butthole out here, I'll have to wait a few more months to wear the sweatshirt. We need pictures of you wearing that sweatshirt, glazed donut. Also, I still love your name. And get that highfalutin shirt. My yeah, gosh. For real. James over on Patreon said, hey, just a quick question and or possibly a reminder that a new Alien movie has just wrapped and ready for 2024 release. And I just want to ask, what do you think is the best Alien based horror movie? Doesn't have to be the Ridley. Doesn't have to be the Ridley ones, though. They are my favorite, especially the first, which I watched like once a week. Yes, I know that's weird. Thanks, boys. I fucking love this podcast. So I actually replied to him and said, uh, go to our Letterboxd and uh, go to our past uh, top tens episode on, I think we did a little top ten best alien horror movies. I think we did a best top ten sci-fi movies, maybe? Yeah, but I think there was... Like that feature aliens. Like, it did. Yeah. Right. It had to feature like aliens as a, a, yeah. So it wasn't just sci-fi. I don't think so. Like it was in there. Not yet. Sorry. The thing was in there, you know, but at the top two spots was alien and aliens, I believe. That's right. Right. And so, uh, if you are interested to know what our top 10 sci-fi horror or top 10 alien horror, whatever the fuck we called it is, mm-hmm. that's a run letterboxd. And the actual episode recorded is in our backlog somewhere. 
to answer your question just a little bit, and I'm pretty sure it made it into that top 10 episode, one of the scariest movies I've ever seen in my life, and I saw it when I was very young, was a movie called Fire in the Sky mm. that had to do with aliens. Yeah. And it just scared the fucking bejesus out of me. Yeah. So if you have not seen that one, definitely go watch it. I watched it again, like within the last couple of years. It doesn't hold up as well, but it is still kind of scary. So, and thanks for listening. Nothing is too weird. And we fucking love that you listen to us. Rosie Red Leader on Patreon said, hi there. In order to leave a review on Apple or iTunes, do I have to own a device or have an account? We're Android users. So this is the question I was mentioning earlier where, yeah, nope, yeah. you just have to have a Windows device and download the app. That's right. You can do it. Yep. Et cetera, et cetera. But if you don't want to spend the, uh, the calories, like we said, you can go anywhere and re- write us a review wherever it's available to you. Rosie, you have commented a lot over the last several Shooting the Flames episodes and even before that. So um, anywhere you would leave a review would be great. Hmm. Ryan King over on Patreon said, hello, Film Flamers. Just took a huge deep. Sorry. <laughs> 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 oh, my brain went somewhere else instinctively. <laughs> 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 just took a huge dump on your podcast. <laughs> well, did you clean it up? <laughs> okay. Fuck. <clears throat> Hello, film flamers. <laughs> <laughs> Hurry up, it's getting hot in here. I'm trying. Hello, film flamers. I just took a huge deep dive into your podcast. <laughs> I just took a huge deep dive into your podcast. <laughs> Reread it, please. <laughs> I just took a huge deep dive. <laughs> Into your podcast this week. (laughs) Starting things off with Alien. I was blown away by how well your podcast is delivered and was shook when I saw the small amount of followers. I am so stoked to be getting into this on the ground level and immediately subscribed on Patreon. You both deserve so much success as what you're doing is well thought out and thorough. I plan to share with anyone who will listen what you guys are doing. And yes, you're both hilarious and I find myself laughing a lot. Especially wheeze real good when Robert laughs the hardest till he almost is out of breath. <laughs> Just now. Anyway, I love everything you're doing. I plan to start from the beginning, watching movies I've never heard or seen of before, and then quickly throwing on the episode to hear you break it down. Keep up all the good work, and I can't wait to catch up. P.S. Also a request. There are two movies that have stuck with me in the genre of horror. This first being the program Texas Chainsaw which my brother subjected me to at an early age. This movie wrecked me as a weak crotch goblin, and I was <laughs> sick to my stomach for almost a month thinking if Leatherface was going to chop me up into itty-bitty bits. So that's a request. And also the 1990 version of Night of the Living Dead. Grew up with this, loved it, and want to hear your take. We talk about it a little bit in our deep dive of uh, the Night of the Living Dead. That's right. And so, uh, you know, I, th- I think we we both have met Tom Savini at this point. Mm-hmm. A couple times. And, uh Yeah. I would love, love to cover that it. version. Yeah, I do. <clears throat> I love the change they make in Barbara's character. Well, every March we try and do zombies. So it might be this coming March. I mean, we just finished up uh, the whole like uh, Romero dead series last March. Right. So we might as well like it only makes sense. Yeah. Oh, my God. Thank you, Ryan. To start back at the beginning. Um, please keep in all that laughter since he likes it so much. Yeah. Okay, I will. <laughs> Your comment. I could not even read. Sorry, because I was laughing so hard. 
Jessica E. sent us an email and she said, hello, my favorite flames. <clears throat> okay, my first point from Shooting the Flames episode. I'm continuing on the Vasquez debate about the brown face in Aliens. Sorry if I'm beating a dead horse about this, but literally no one has mentioned this in any of the discussions I've heard about this. Yes, we all love Jeanette Goldstein, the actor who played Vasquez. Yes, she's great. I get it. Reasons I've heard so far is that she was in England at the time, right place, right time, all that stuff, yada, yada. The question was raised on your show. Couldn't they just find a Latina Hispanic actress to fill the role? And we've learned they couldn't due to time constraints and work visas, etc. So going back to my point that no one can answer for me, once Jeanette Goldstein was determined the perfect was determined perfect for the role. Why, for fuck's sake, couldn't they just change the fucking name of the character from Bosquez to O'Neill or something more culturally appropriate? I cannot imagine that in 1986, diversity numbers were so important that they had to actually misappropriate a brown person to create the illusion of diversity. Just change the fucking name, James Cameron. Where's the t-shirt for that? Just change the fucking name, James Cameron. Shit. <laughs> Um, I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt a little bit because I think it's a little bit more complicated when everyone signed off on million dollar deals and, and 50 million dollar budget and everything else for a script. Right. And so when you change a character or do something like that, it creates all of those sign offs and maybe they could have done it. I don't know. But I think they were still in the casting process and kind of the end of the tether. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's just was much more normalized back then. And so it is what it is, which isn't fair and isn't right. No, it's and not. I think we can all agree on that. Well, and the thing is, and I think we talked about this in that Shooting the Flames episode, right? And I mean, obviously, like, you know, Nikki posed that question. We talked about it. And 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 we've talked about it on this episode already, too, is that we're we're like learning from past mistakes and in filmmaking. Well, they also barely got Sigourney Weaver to sign on. Like they had to do some weird, like cloak and dagger, like hoodwink kind of stuff to get that to happen. By playing the weird, like shadowy middlemen between Sigourney Weaver's agent and their own studio, because they were like, "We're going to walk away if we don't get Sigourney," and then with Sigourney, they were like, "We're going to like work with you on the on the script and everything else." So it's like if they were still working on that, and they had just signed on a script and for script approval and all that stuff, like. I doubt they wanted to send a new script after that and to change it, you know, when they could have just hired someone. But so you're right. I mean, like that, that would have been a really easy thing to do to make it more acceptable or more appropriate. Right. But you'd think so. Yeah. Super fucking easy. And I feel like today. But does anything make sense in Hollywood? <laughs> no, but I feel like today that would happen <clears throat> more quickly. I feel like if they found an actor to take a role that they had to find at the last minute today, they would change it to make it more, um, appropriate well it's funny is that she does a great uh irish accent right jeanette yes oh but identity identity politics get uh even more nuanced as we go forward and so 50 years from now we'd be having a not a brown face discussion but an irish accent discussion possibly everyone just has to play themselves and if it's not themselves then they can't play it acting is no longer a thing and it's either ai or it's someone actually playing the exact person and personality that they're supposed to be playing and, and that's the future I envision from this conversation. God, I hope not, though. The, the point that philosophically is where do we draw the line? And I yeah. think we can draw the line easily at like racism. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so this is a good this is a good line to draw. But again, I mean, I'm regardless of like, you know, stupid, slippery slope arguments. And I'm glad that people are like passionate about this and want to talk about it. I mean, I feel like these conversations need to happen. So like keep those comments and questions and things like that coming. And we're happy to talk about them on the show for yeah. sure. It just bothers me. All this is like, well, no, it had to be an actual gay man and it had to be an actual fat man. I'm just like, fuck you. Acting. What are the differently able people with big noses that Nicole Kidman took the role from? You know, it's like, come on. How are we going to get actors that for transformative fucking roles if they can't like transform? Somehow that nose feels right in a place like this. 
<laughs> I don't know. I just want like, I don't know, Danny DeVito to play Marilyn Monroe and like get an Oscar for it or something. <laughs> Next point. This is a bit off topic from Shooting the Flames, but I'm raising it again. Please say you're considering a return to starter horror movies in the fall. I think you mean Gateway. You guys barely touched the surface of some Disney horror movies and others. And I would love to recommend the following Return to Oz. You mentioned this as an honorable mention last time, and I teased a potential deep dive later. Watcher in the Woods. Chris, I think you would, uh, I think you put this on your watch list. I did. Have you seen it yet? No, I haven't. Uh, it's got Betty Davis and disappearing children in a parallel universe. Yes, yes, yes. It's on my watch list. And yes, yes, yes. We're planning on continuing that top 10 to feed us into deep dives into the future for gateway horror. Yeah, we are not leaving that topic by the wayside. No, and we, we will be deep diving Return to Oz at some point. Yes, we are. I'm. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> you betcha. Uh, we, we really enjoyed our conversations on those movies, like Legend of the NeverEnding Story, yes. were like really fun conversations for us, and we enjoyed those topics. So we are going to go back and do some more things from that top 10 list, Return to Oz for sure. And Watcher in the Woods, I agree with you, is very, very good. And Chris is going to watch it at some point. I have to try. I have, have to care. To care. <laughs> <laughs> she continues... Finally, and back to shooting the flames topic, someone wrote in asking you guys what movies scare you still because as an avid horror fan, nothing really scares anymore in the traditional sense. You turned that question back on us and this got me thinking. I really can't think of any movies that scare me anymore as an adult either, at least not in the same way they did to me as a kid. Robert, I believe we have a trauma bond over our early childhood obsession with Poltergeist. Excuse me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to be included in that. You're also traumatized. Chris was also traumatized by Poltergeist. And this is what I dig when I get into I want to be scared or at least feel something. Is it losing a loved one or never knowing what happened to them? Try The Vanishing. Added to my watch list. Oh, but which one? It's the, the earlier one. Okay. Is it losing your autonomy over your own personhood, your body, or questioning your own mental health? Try Unsane, Clock, or Resurrection. I've seen the last two. All oh, good movies. Yep, we recommended them. Are you afraid of mental health decline, losing your memories, or being isolated and alone in old age? Try Relic. Definitely going to deep that deep that one at some point. It's going to happen. Yep. Unresolved family trauma coming back to haunt you as an adult. Try The Dark and the Wicked. Relic. <laughs> or Relic, yeah. Know. Not about um, Hereditary. I don't know. Dark and the Wicked. Obviously, we just talked about that, but yeah. I would love to deep dive Dark and the Wicked. And my personal favorite, do you fear the safe home environment you have created for yourself? could be taken away in an instant based on random acts of violence out of your control. Try funny games, the strangers, the honeymoon. I've seen the strangers. So <clears throat> these are all things that I think we talk about a lot. I think on we're going to end up deep diving all of these. Yeah. At some point. I mean, and it, it's things that scare us as adults. Yeah. I still get scared by trivial nonsense when I watch horror movies, but I'm really susceptible to that. Yeah. I always have been right. But you bring up a point that I think that we talk about a lot on the film flamers and why we cover so many horror adjacent movies is that the horror that you find in real life or the things that adults are scared of are sometimes way scarier than anything else. Right. We, we've covered movies that nobody would think of as like horror really. Mm. And have found the horror, in them i mean like try the bodyguard right if you talk about like your autonomy being taken over and whatnot and people like coming after you just because you're a celebrity like no one sees that movie as a horror movie but we do right mm -hmm. so i mean like all of your points are valid and i think that you're right scarier things are the adult things always and as we continue to grow up and change and watch more movies like we're gonna find new fears as adults 
fears as adults is an endless possibility. Like we should stop trying to have like normalized where we're not going to be scared and just resign ourselves to whatever fresh hell the day is going to bring us. And there's my negative rant. As I finished my email, I just saw your post on your new highfalutin t-shirts and you'd best be sure I'll be buying myself one of those bad boys. Stop. Did you tell us that you were going to have a sh- the the chef in the midsummer flower crown get up? I'm fucking dying right now. <laughs> yes, we did. And there it is. Yeah, we were going to have the the sweet <clears throat> chef from the Muppets wearing the the May Queen dress and say hi for Luton. Hi for Luton. Hi for Luton. And so that is the t-shirt that uh, we will receive the smackdown from from Disney soon. So go pick up yours on our film flamer store. That's right. Get it while you can. And Jessica, thank you so much for that email. You covered a lot. And we really appreciate like all the topics that you brought up. So keep those things coming and continue to listen and give us more things to talk about. Jay sent us an email and said, Aloha, I'm Jay. And I'm compelled to write a goddamn email to y'all. An email. What year is this? (laughs) I'm digging your pod. You ain't haters and you don't spew vitriol, even when deserved. You have great chemistry, too. I might add that y'all are filthy fuckers. That resonates, too. Oh, so deeply. Anywho. I haven't signed up for your Patreon yet, as I am having space issues on my brick, but I'm considering it. Have you, or are you to review Coherence? Eventually we will. Yeah, probably. It's okay, man. Cargo. Well, that's probably going to be a good combo for next March with Night of Living Dead. That's right. So we might write those down. Uh, Possession, which is on my definitely on my watch list. Uh, saying it's an intense 1981 Sam Neill horror film, nasty, 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 nasty jazz. <laughs> the character interactions are absurdly inexplicable, but Isabel Afshani gives one of the most staggering performances in the history of horror. I have heard that and seen portions of it. I cannot wait to see it. Hope you all are well. Thanks for your buoyant spirits. Mahalo, toodles. Jay, you sound delightful. Yes. <laughs> and so... We were talking about maybe having a double feature with Solo tonight, and I was going to say Possession or the the Devil's movie that people keep saying are like one of the most shocking horror films. I've been waiting for like three years to see Come and See. I know. So that was the original pairing. I know, but it seems so depressing. But we'll see. Maybe I'll be in a good headspace for that, as I'm already depressed. (laughs) Well, maybe uh, these voicemails will lift your depression. (laughs) Hey, film flamers. Um, My name is Tara. And I've been listening to your show ever since The Terminator. So I wanted to actually leave voicemail after um, today's July 3rd. And that just happens to be when the second Terminator came out. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much how I got into your podcast. And then I went back to your first episode, and that was Coffee Cat. And I remember... That was um, just a movie that I watched with my sister as a kid. But then you started having all these honorable mentions about Buffy. And that was my number one TV show ever, I should say, is. So that's, I just, just point to you guys for always commenting on that show. Um, yeah, there's just, there's so much to talk about. I just, I love every episode that you guys have, even movies that I've never seen before. I just appreciate your comments. Um, Robert, I love your laughter. It's, it just, it's so contagious. So even like 
when I'm not, you know, when I'm just a little down, I hear your laugh and I start laughing. Like I start smiling too. Um, and Chris, your description of so many different movies and just like even, for example, like RoboCop, I just appreciate what you were talking about for the music. So I just, you, you got so emotional with that, but yeah, I just, it's very poetic. And um, I actually was able to watch one of the movies that you guys recommended, um, The Invisible Man. So, and I agree, that was such a great movie, and it's too bad that, I mean, we're talking about three years ago, three, seven, it came out in March of 2020, but just such such a great movie. So I appreciate that, um, that recommendation to watch. Um, I hope I don't get cut off, but, um, yeah, I just appreciate what you guys have been doing for, oh, my goodness, like four years now. Um and yeah, I had, I was one of the people that actually made a comment on Spotify because that's how I found you guys. Um, so yeah, I had made a comment before. There was one of your, um, film flamers that was talking about Nicholas Holtz or there was some kind of comment about that. Um, and then Warm Bodies was the movie that you guys were thinking of, um, for Nicholas Holtz and some other movie that he was involved in. I wanted to say that because it's worth mentioning that that movie Fresh, it's on Hulu. I think it's still on Hulu. Um, I don't know. I don't really follow. I don't have any streaming services anymore, but it has Sebastian Stan, and it's so good. If you guys haven't watched it, it's just really creepy, um, but it's worth watching. So that's one of those um, movies that has, like, a little take on just like um, an online dating app, like there's an, a mention on it. So, um, anywho, there's so much that I want to talk about, and I shouldn't have waited all these years, but I just wanted to leave you a voicemail, and now there's two. Okay, all right, well, happy fourth for tomorrow. Bye, guys. Wow, what an amazing voicemail. Uh, actually, two voicemails. I'm going to try and splice them together. But you got you hit on so many good things. I love that you commented his laugh and then my love of music. It's like you have been listening for a while. And it's like, really, like Tara, like this is the first time we've heard from you and you've been listening for years. I'm just like blown away. And comments on Spotify. Did we just miss these? No, I, I mentioned last shooting, I think, that yeah. we're having issues yeah. with Spotify. Like they'll send me notifications for comments and there'll be nothing there. So Tara, we didn't mean to like skip you over on Shooting the Flames if you've commented on Spotify, but like... Yeah. I mean, if we had seen them, we would have said them for but, sure. But, you know, Spotify just laid off something like 70% of their spot ca- podcasting team. Oh. So that was a couple of months ago. So it doesn't it doesn't really surprise me that there's some bugs going on. But maybe eventually we'll see it. Um, I've tried to go back and add the ability to add comments to different things. And so maybe that kind of fucked it up. I don't know. Well, and like two parts of your voicemail. Fresh was really high on my watch list last year. And it, I missed it. I just, I still haven't watched it. But I heard really, really good things about it, and I still want to watch that movie. And you have reinvigorated my interest for sure. And also, your voice is really fucking soothing. Like, I kind of want you to read me a bedtime story, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, thank you very much for calling in, and hopefully we uh, don't let you down in the future years to come. That's right. It seems like we have some voicemails from the Scrotus. We do. Our favorite buff cis bear cock tease, apparently. <laughs> I really love that descriptor. Yeah, three separate subjects, I think. So we're going to keep these separate. Okay. So here is the here's the first voicemail. Yo, 
to the Scrotus, and I do go by the Scrotus, your favorite uh, buff, cis bear, cocktease. Hey, I'm here to talk to you guys about the ring. I just listened to it, and I thought it was really great. I think you actually brought a lot more to it in the discussion. And I remember, and it made me think, and I thought, you know, one piece. So all that stuff was great. The the part, though, about the horse, um, you didn't mention the connection with the horses that all died at the at the farm. And I th- always thought that was an obvious connection. And then I also think that the timeline at the time, you know, the showing the days and all that, the, on the original view when I was at the theater, I remember it being one of those, like, hey, you only have so much time. So that's how it felt like it was always moving forward. Like fast, fast, because they got to get to the answer before I run out of time. So kind of got that as well. But you guys are spot on on everything. In fact, I listened to another podcast regarding the ring, and it was nowhere good as yours. So kudos to you guys. Um, lastly, I want to make sure that you know, William Skinner, William Washington Skinner IV, is my Peter progeny. I am the Scrooge. Remember that. Thank you. Um, and that's it. Sweet dreams, baby. Well, thank you for that voicemail. Um, yeah, uh, y- yes, Daddy. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, progeny. So wait, we have a William Skinner patron that is not you, but you were progeny. Is that what I heard? Or is William Skinner like your alter ego, but your Peter progeny? We're confused, Scrotus. I don't understand. Could you could you elaborate, perhaps in a voicemail, and take advantage of us in our confused state? I mean, Buff, you say. <laughs> Cocktees, you say? Buff bear, you say? <laughs> Pixar didn't happen. <laughs> Our email address is tiredqueens at female. <laughs> female? <laughs> oh, my God. This is hot. Anyway, slide into our DMs. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, I think it was like, I felt like it was like really obvious about the horse connection, right? Yeah. You mentioned like the video connections and stuff like that. But yeah, the the obviously the, the horses dying and killing themselves, getting mad. Like the horses where she spent the night was essentially the first place that she was imprinting images in people, right? Or in things and animals. And so I think that connection was maybe I edited it out. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, it doesn't matter. It's there. We were all on the same page, I think. Yeah. Um, as far as like the question about the horse scene is um, jury still out. I think it was actually photographed. I don't think it was 3D animated, but the reflection in the eye, that, that scene that you love so much. I love it. I still think it was photographed, but I don't know. I, I, I'm going to believe that it was forever. But um, yeah, I mean, obviously, like that scene is way more fun to talk about because it's just ridiculous anyway. Yeah. Like and fun. So. But yeah, and thank you for saying that we did a better job than another podcast who shall, I guess, remain nameless, but we'll just pretend that it's a big one. I'm a little curious, though. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. What else does he say? All right. Let's pull this up. Hey, Flamers. Sorry. It's number two. It is a Scrotus again. Hey, the highfalutin singer for Trump card. Hey, uh, I failed to mention I was going to make a point about old movies. Uh, you had talked a couple podcasts ago. Um, and I think two that were really great, and you actually hit on it again with the ring, is at the time that the movies came out and how important they were at the time that they came out. And the ring was one of those. Um, I also think if you want to go further back, if you ever seen 
uh, Sam Raimi's Drag Me to Hell, which is a great movie, funny movie. Um, go back and watch Curse of the Demon or Night of the Demon. It's, it's named both. It was originally made in uh, England, but it was, rem- uh, it was cut for an American version. It was also cut in England, so get the original length uh, because it's the better one. And it's still short, and it's to the point, but this is a really great movie, and it's black and white. You, were t- you guys were talking about black and white movies, and if there were any good ones out there, that one is definitely great. I don't want to spoil anything about it, but just if you have Drag Me to Hell in, your, in the back of your brain, you're going to see the connections and how Raimi totally ripped off the entire storyline. Um, and then there's another older, older movie. I believe it's German, European, um, called Vampire. Uh, I say vampire because it's a YR. Um, and it was right at the time where silent movies were coming into talkies, so it's mostly silent. There is some talking, but even then it's in German, I think. So, But again, at the time, groundbreaking movie. And it's actually really good in a very much old-school gothic vampire kind of way. It, it actually adds a lot of elements, and it's based off, I believe, an older story of vampires that was that Shelley stole from. Is it Shelley? Stoker. Sorry. Uh, anyway, the original author of Dracula actually stole that story uh, and then made Dracula. So this is actually the precursor to Dracula, to be fair. But it's really good. Um, just some nuggets of cool old movies. And still, go out and find Wild Zero, I'm telling you. If you get a bunch of friends and you have drinks around and play the drinking game with it, it is a blast. Take care, guys. Interesting. So I feel like it's like art imitating life, imitating art. One of those things. Like if if that's true, then Stoker stole this like from a German concept. If it's based on a book, Vampire or whatever, and then that was made into um, the book, and then the German expressionist made Nosferatu because they couldn't get the rights to Dracula, and then so on and so forth in history, right? Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting just to actually look up the, the details for that because we could have like an ongoing like Dracula theme month for years and years for sure. And also, we have been threatening to do Drag Me to Hell on the podcast for a long time because we both really love that movie. And I, if if there are like <clears throat> instances where you can see where Raimi like got inspiration from this, I'm definitely down to watch Curse of the Demon or Night of the Demon. Yeah. So we obviously we love Drag Me to Hell. Um, I have put Curse of the Demon actually shows up as Night of the Demon. Um, and uh, I think it's like 19... 19- 30 40 or something oh. 50 60 i don't know somewhere in there and then vampires like 1930 um uh and it's mostly silent like you said and then wild zero i've added to my watch list as well okay let's do them yeah so he left us a third one and this one is about a uh, foreign language horror i believe okay hey chris and robert i know i know this is the third call and i promise this is the last one and i don't really want to eat up your time but it came to my thoughts, and I have a lot of thoughts while I'm walking in the morning, and that's when I listen to you guys. By the way, you guys are awesome. Like, I listen to you guys do a mo- uh, re- review another movie and go through another movie that somebody else on another podcast has done, and you just make it so much more entertaining. I mean, I don't know else, what else to say. I think in the podcast world, that definitely is uh, high praise, at least in my opinion. So I wanted to mention two things into one. You had talked about... Uh, the progeny movie, progeny horror, like the kids, 
and also foreign language films. And there are a handful, in my opinion, that are legendary. And I don't know if you're aware. You are, I know you're aware of a few of them, but I would start off obviously with Let the Right One In. Great book, great novel, great both of the movies, the American and the foreign version. But obviously the foreign version was the first one that I really sunk into and, and it's amazing. It's still up there with one of my favorite horror movies of all time. Um, but then I want to touch on a couple that are maybe not so aware of. And, uh, there's a recent one called The Innocent. It's a foreign movie. Check it out. It's little kids in a high, in a high, foreign high rise that, uh, come to have powers. That's all I want to say because it gets really interesting and it's more in the child mind of what you do with these type of powers. So it's really cool. I like what they did and it's haunting and it tells us, it has a pretty good story arc too. Um, also, there's a couple older movies. So a black and white, I'm sure you've heard of it, The Village of the Damned, I believe to be a classic, great, uh, kid horror movie. And it really is a gem. Um, obviously, the very last scene could be redone because it's silly, uh, but it was for the times, but it was amazing. Lastly, I think lastly, uh, who could kill a child? Uh, that's a great foreign movie that people don't really talk too much about. Uh, it was definitely a precursor to Children of the Corn. Uh, a lot of tropes have been stolen from it. It's a slow burn, but the third, the third act is bonkers and great, and it does everything you want. Uh, that's all I want to say about that. I don't want to ruin it, but, man, that ending is amazing. And that's what I got. Oh, and one more note. Hey, uh, on your horror that's uh, adjacent for kids starting in, you guys, there was an episode a while ago, Watership Down. Watership Down horrified me as a kid. Great movie. Um, I don't consider it horror, but it definitely has dark themes and murder and stuff like that. It's really cool. All right, that's all I got. This is Scrobus. Love you guys. Out. And sweet dreams. Well, yeah, awesome. Uh, so let the right one in, let me in. I never saw the American remake. I loved uh, Giacchino's score for it, though. And so let the right one, I actually enjoyed quite a bit, although I wouldn't say it's one of my favorites. It's good. Yeah. I mean, it's moody as fuck, you know. Um, it's Scandinavian, right? Just like The Innocence is. And I really loved The Innocence. I didn't as much. I thought it was really well done. But there, I was kind of coming off of recent-ish cat death. Yeah. And there's a cat death in Innocence that was very mean-spirited mm-hmm. to move kind of like the plot forward and like give some character some flavor. And I didn't really like that. And it's one of the most traumatic animal deaths in a movie that I can remember. Yeah, it's it's really hardcore. Um, but I, I really liked that movie. I thought that like that, that main villainous kid in it was really fucking evil. And I... Yeah, I really enjoyed the dynamic of the like the kids having powers and like battling with each other, like right under parents' noses. I felt like an anime movie or something, but it was a little bit action. Yeah. So I mean, like I thought, I thought the innocence was really, really good. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that I'd you watch it again. It, but I, I was just like coming off of it, you know. And with some, some people, time and distance. Some know? people that really like generally it doesn't bother me, doesn't bother me, but it was done in such a way that was so mean spirited. Yeah. You know. That was your takeaway from that movie. Yeah, I've never seen Village of the Damned, like uh, especially like the 1990s version. Oh, the Carpenter version. Um, yeah. But there, this is the original. He's talking about the black and white 1960 version, and then Who Can Kill a Child from 1976, and Watership Down. I'm assuming from 1978, obviously, mm. because there was just one that was released like a year ago or two. God, another one. Yeah, but it's like all in. It's either live action or it's like 3D animation or oh, something. No. 
I'd rather watch the original. So I've never seen the Watership Down movie. I've only read the novel, and the novel is traumatizing enough. Like making me read that my freshman year in high school, I was just like, "Why are you doing this to me? I'll never be the same." It's like and a I, darker version of like Animal Farm or something. And I haven't been. And Animal Farm was dark enough. We had to read Animal Farm the same year too. I was like, "What are we doing with these books?" God. <laughs> uh, but thank you for like bringing all that up. And um, the ones that we have not seen, we will definitely add to our lists and keep the voicemails coming. Screw us. Yep. So we've got a voicemail from Alex. Okay. Hi, uh, this is Alex, friend of the pod. And I just wanted to say that I've been really enjoying all the coverage of the ring movies that you've been doing this month, but it's also horribly cursely. So in that first episode when y'all were talking about oh there's always different versions out there you know i just had to google it and then i found out I, there's they're easily accessible so everything is on youtube and so i started watching all of those versions so you can watch the tv movie version on the broadcast version and the vhs version the broadcast version has fun commercials and is less sexy if you don't want to see like extra boobage and etc and there's a korean versions on there the there's audio versions of both books like the first two books and the tv series i just found out are on there as well so if anyone you know really wanted to be cursed as well. They are available on YouTube. But like I would really highly recommend at least watching the TV movie version. I feel like it's like the best version at least of the Japanese franchise. So check that out. It has a very interesting take on Sadako that only the Korean version picks up on. But I think it would add an interesting discussion for Sadako in the future and kind of puts her in an interesting sort of queer light, which I think would be fun to talk about further one day. Anywho, goodbye and thank you for everything. So he's cursed. He has to rewatch all these rings. Definitely into it. Yeah, I mean, I, I could only find um, like one or two of them on YouTube. I didn't find the others, so he must have put in like maybe some of the original like Japanese or even Korean characters to find some of these. But um, that's why we didn't do a poll on them, and that's why we just did Ringu mm-hmm. essentially. Is because I, I couldn't guarantee that everyone would be able to see them. I feel like at this point he's becoming like a ring like expert because I mean he's seen like he watched two versions of the the TV movie. Right, he watched Ringu. He's watched the Korean one, and I know he has plans to watch something else. So I mean, There's like, two TV shows. Whatever. Yeah, so he's like he's deep, deep in the ring. How's the the reading going? My reading, I am about twenty five minutes into that first novel. Twenty five minutes. Thank you. I know. So Alex, what you need to do is provide us with links for all these things. That we can share with the audience so everyone can be just as cursed. Watching yeah, share with the rest of the class. And how sexy are we talking? Like, is it like pornographic sexy? I never thought of Sudoku as sexy. Well, I mean, I think just the movie itself is sexy, right? I mean, but, oh, oh, or queer. Sudoku. <laughs> 
Sudoku is not sexy. No. <laughs> Numbers. Bah. <laughs> uh, we need links to these things. Share them with us so everyone can watch it. Well, we got one final voicemail, and I'm, I'm not sure quite who this is. But should I just play it? Yeah, let me hear this. All right. This message is for Christopher Nelson. Christopher, this is Officer O'Malley down at the police station. Uh, I can't believe I'm having to make this phone call again, but we have been informed that you're up to your old shenanigans again. This time, Christopher, you're caught on camera walking out of an antenna loft with several items for which you neglected to pay. These items included a dusty rose blouse with flouncy sleeves and rose gold buttons, a mother of pearl necklace, and a floral wrap. Now, Christopher, we had hoped you'd changed your ways after the incident at the coals, but it appears that further correction is necessary. Therefore, I have two options for you. You can bring the items down to the station, along with a written apology for Chrissy and Stacy, and the other fine ladies at the loft, or the fellas and I can come by tonight and bring you back in a nice pair of silver bracelets, if you know what I mean. So choose wisely. Oh, and while we're on the subject of your malfeasance, I understand you have plans to go down and rattle up your local Carvana building. Surely I don't have to tell you what a bad idea that is and why you should not stick your hand up the flap to obtain some extra goodies. Well, that's all I've got for now, Christopher. I, I better see your ass in my office this afternoon so we don't have to embarrass you in front of all your neighbors. I wish you and your little gay drunken leprechaun you share a podcast with a pleasant day. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> I need another beer. <laughs> Little gay drunken leprechaun. <laughs> Malfeasance. Um, you heard the man. <laughs> Take that shit back from Aunt Taylor Loft. Not my flouted collar. <laughs> Your mother a pearl necklace. <laughs> Give me a break. Oh my god. <laughs> Stacy and the rest of the gals down at the coals or <laughs> down at the loft. <laughs> <laughs> anyway this is all in reference to our uh outtakes, outtakes 10 if anyone's interested and no i did not shoplift from ann taylor loft and coles <laughs> there was a kerfuffle with an unpaid like my card didn't go through anyway whatever i don't think you had to explain the it's manager was calling me on the phone and being like do you want to go to jail <laughs> <laughs> calm down it's coles <laughs> I'm still waiting for you to shoplift from Antilla Loft, though. I'm just waiting for that phone call. <laughs> Cannot wait to pick you up from that. Oh, God. oh my God. I knew that. We've got some new patrons. We do. We got Alex from back in April that we never mentioned, who also gave us that voicemail about uh, all the um actuallys about the ring on YouTube. That's right. So, Alex, we apologize for missing you back in April. We don't know how you slipped through the cracks, but here we are to say your name and thank you for the voicemail. Thank you for the comments. He actually has some more comments that'll be coming up on our next shooting the flames because they came in just a little under the wire. Oh, okay. So he is part of the family and exercising his right to be a part of it. We also got Ryan King and Laura O'Malley who is joining us over the pond. That's right. Poundage. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Big Dave, who joined as a film flamer. Ooh, hey, Big Dave. Speaking of which, we need to shout out the patrons at the film flamer tier or higher. And at our Inferno level, we have Kimberly. And Penelope. And we also have to mention. Anthony. Ashley. Ben. Big Dave. 
Glazed Donut, <laughs> Jessica E., Lisa, Nikki, Rosie Red Leader, and William Skinner. But especially Big Dave. But especially Big Dave. <laughs> hey, Big Dave. <laughs> Horror News. Mattel's got more movies after Barbie, including a Magic 8-Ball horror movie. Is it really going to be horror? Yeah. Okay, well. So, I mean, like they're releasing like movies based on all their properties. They could point. literally do anything with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so they one of them is a horror movie. It's Magic 8-Ball. I think that based on everyone saying, based on what it, they're saying it's going to be, it's going to be one of those PG-13 kind of family horror movies. Mm-hmm. Maybe more gateway horror. But I really, really, really fucking loved Barbie. Barbie? And Mattel like pretty much let Greta Gerwig do whatever she wanted to with that. Which is kind of shocking. Right. You would think that a company like Mattel would be like, no, be reverent to our product or whatever. But they really let her make just a Barbie movie that I wasn't expecting. Based on how people are talking about it, it's almost like she just like made it and didn't make any like explicit statements. And it's all like takeaways from however you are in the political spectrum or... Uh, wherever you are in the age spectrum, right? So like yep. the kids could enjoy it for that level versus adults could enjoy it for theoretically like the political stuff. I feel like the only people that don't like Barbie that I've heard from are the people that haven't seen it. <laughs> I mean that or like, which is kind of telling like the straight cisgendered guys don't seem to like Barbie, but even like those people that I know have seen this movie liked it. Like Barbie was just a really, really good movie. I haven't seen it. I want to, but uh, I've just, I've also read articles that it's causing this rash of breakups because all the men that would refuse to see it with their girlfriends for like the political weird toxic mask reasons or whatever, are the mm-hmm. ones that aren't seeing it or whatever. And they're breaking up with them. Well, good. They or they to. watch the movie. And for some reason it makes women want to break up with their boyfriends. Good. I mean, like feel empowered to, if, you, if you're is not getting what you need, is there something in the movie that's uh, breaking up? I don't know. Is the whole movie <laughs> breaking up with Ken? The whole movie, okay. Uh, patriarchy and all that, it was really, really good. And so, like, just based on that alone, like, a certain part of me, if I read a headline that talked about a magic eight ball horror movie, I'd be like, that sounds fucking stupid, you know. But having seen Barbie and seeing what Mattel will let people do, I mean, go make a really good gateway horror movie, do it. I mean, hell, The Ring's PG 13, it's an excellent film. But all signs point to yes, where the fuck the magic eight ball says. All signs point to maybe. <laughs> all signs point to mayhap. All, I wish it would say all signs point to in every answer. <laughs> yeah, all signs point to. Not at this time. No. <laughs> maybe mayhap's not. But hey, we'll see. I mean, bring it on. I think it's the next one in line. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in more recent release news, as if Barbie wasn't recent enough, talk to me. The filmmakers have already shot an entire prequel based on the film's opening sequence. And so what they mean by this, like the, the news articles have really like kind of picked that up. Yeah. To think that it's some sort of like X type of situation or Pearl situation. And mm-hmm. it's not. They were just doing stuff um, on the phone. So it's all on phones and web, okay. like Snapchat style stuff or um, TikTok style stuff for them to use in the movie as the back the backup stuff. So they did a whole bunch of like seance possession kind of stuff with the talk to me hand and some other things on social media and stuff. They don't have enough for like, they might have enough for like a prequely type of like teasery Easter egg Blu-ray thing. But um, when talking about an actual um, sequel, they are in it. They're in it to win it. So if it does well enough and I don't know how well it's doing. So, but if it does well enough, then if it has enough legs and a 24 wants to do it, you know, or some other 
place wants to do it, then yeah, the, they're, the directors really, really want to expand on the universe because they feel like they could go backwards or forwards in time. They could expand on the mythology, all that stuff. And I think they should. I mean, we've talked at length already in this podcast about Talk to Me. We recently saw it again, right? We went to the theater to see it after we saw it at the Overlook. And it's it's a good movie. It's, it's still very, very good. Um, it made $10 million opening weekend, right? So it beat expectations that A24 had put out. Yeah. And I think when we were talking about this way back in our Overlook episode, we even called it like a word of mouth hit, right? Yeah, but we were also like in a full theater. And like when we went to see it at the AMC, we were like the only ones in there. Right. With, well, that's with how- With an exception I mean, of one lady that picked up her cell phone and answered her call in the middle of the fucking movie. More, more people walked in than I thought would happen on a Monday night, yeah. you know? But um, I, I feel like with word of mouth, this movie will do well, right? It yeah, still has I, I missed that, that audience reaction, you know? Yeah, I really want to hear like more audience stuff but the thing is like barbie is what it is right now and it's just making shit tons of money yeah the barbenheimer situation is yeah pretty crazy and good for the theater system i guess I mean, i'm yeah. glad yeah but people go see talk to me if you haven't seen it already yeah go do it scream seven is officially a go and uh, it's going to be directed officially by the same director that did happy death day and freaky and his name is christopher landon that's right he's one of our most important horror gays oh so Bring it on. I really loved Freaky a lot. I know you did. I know. <clears throat> and other people who have watched it since then are like, it's okay. And I'm like, no, it's really good. Even I liked it a little less on rewatch, but I really liked Freaky. I still haven't seen Happy Death Day, but... I've heard a lot of good things, though. Yeah. I mean, uh, someone I know has recently watched it and liked it quite a bit. And I was like, fuck, I need to watch that movie. Like, I don't know why I just haven't done it yet, but... It needs to happen. I like Christopher Landon. I think he makes good films and I feel like like he will bring something to Scream 7, maybe some some fresh take to it. And yeah. apparently it's supposed to be the end. Like, did you almost say fresh it. blood? I did almost say fresh blood. <laughs> you should have. It's a little bit too uh, on the nose. But uh, this is the end of Scream, I guess. They say this is the end. I, it's never the fucking end. No. Stop it. There'll be stop. a Scream 8. But really? I'm interested to see what he If not 10 it. years from now. You know what I mean? As a franchise, they're never going to let it go. No. As long as it makes money. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, speaking of tired franchises that no one wants any more sequels to, Final Destination 6 is incoming. This is the first sequel in over 10 years. I like this series of movies. Though. This franchise is... I mean, I, I like them all. I liked the first one quite a bit. I still think it was ahead of its time and like original. Yeah. And the second one I thought was good. Mm-hmm. And the third one was hilarious. Yes. I think. And then after that, I just lost track. I didn't know that they were past four and five. Oh, yeah. And so six, I don't know. But they say, they're teasing that it's going to be a slightly different perspective. Oh, So that's going to be interesting. Does it say how? I don't know. Maybe it's the perspective of death. I don't know. That would be fun. Or maybe it's not one of the characters that has survived an incident. And it is assuming that they're still doing that premise, Mm. you know. The log jam or the roller coaster or the uh, or the fl- plane flight, you know, <laughs> maybe they'll do it off of the pandemic. And I was like, everyone, all these people were supposed this friend circle was supposed to die of COVID. But <laughs> My God, that would be so fucking meta and amazing. My God. Timely, even. Um, I need to know who's making this movie, I think. I mean, if they went back to the original guy, who's also one of our most important horror gays. Um that would be good. But I really like all the Final Destination movies. I will always be excited to see a new one. So I know that at least one of the producers 
is a household name. John Watts is producing. Who's John Watts? He did uh, Spider-Man No Way Home and a bunch of others. Oh. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. Bring it on. I'll watch it every day of the week. I like when those two girls die in tanning beds. That was one of my favorite deaths from Final Destination. Oh, yeah. And that's the uh, the roller coaster one, right? That's mm-hmm. the third one? Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun one. And the pool death is my favorite, too. I like that. Where he gets his, like, butt at the bottom. We'll talk about that later on. Off mic. Uh, but finally, and sad news to report, uh, Paul Rubens, who played Pee Wee Herman for many, many years and was involved in many other projects, has passed away. So... Paul Rubens famously played a very funny vampire in the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. Yep. Right. Famous death scene. Yep. And took forever. And we can't forget that Pee-wee's Big Adventure exists and has one of the most frightening moments in all of cinema when Large Marge, like, turns to him and makes her fucking, like, creepy fucking face. Do you remember that? Oh. Like when I was a kid, that scared the shit out of me because she's telling him this story about like this, the carnage on the street of this like big rag wreck, right? And Pee Wee's looking all kinds of scared. And she was like, and when they pulled the body out of the wreckage, it looked like this. And it's this Tim Burton Muppety thing going, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and when I was a kid, it scared the fuck out of me. Fucking Large Marge. So, Paul Rubens, rest in peace. Large Marge, we'll be seeing you soon. I don't know. <laughs> Or he'll be meeting you there. I don't. I don't know. I mean, whatever happens first. Coming soon. First off, we've got this Oscar bait <laughs> called Slaughterhouse, which is in theaters in August. Now you didn't hear me wrong. I didn't say Slaughterhouse. I said Slaughterhouse because it is a killer sloth. <laughs> And this trailer is shockingly good I for mean, what this is. It's not like Jaws of the Corn or whatever the fuck it was. Shark Stephen of the- King's Sharks Shark. of the Corn. Yeah, no. <laughs> this is this seems very uh, deep dive worthy. I mean, for sure. Like, okay, so I put this movie on the docket without seeing the trailer. Like, I literally just watched it before we were recording this. And I was just like, oh, I'll totally watch this movie. And not even ironically, like I kind of want to see it. What's well, a shockingly good trailer for whatever the fuck this is? It looks good. I mean, that little Muppety sloth looks super cute. Well, the, yes. And they're trying to like make it look menacing in the dark with shadows and then like to do like low angles on it or behind the shower curtain or whatever. But it's only cute ever. You can't. You can't make a sloth look uncute. They, they're always like it has, smiling like, at Janet, you. Janus Muppet hair like on it. <laughs> I mean, at one point in this trailer, y'all, it seems to smother a victim with a shower loofah. So, I mean, like, come on. Next up, we have a trailer for a movie called Medusa Deluxe from A24, also coming out in August. Yeah, I think this is going to come out everywhere. I don't know if it's going to be in theaters, but it's going to be, you know, whatever. It says available everywhere. I mean, this looks fun. I mean, it's horror adjacent, for yeah. sure, with capital A. It's like, like uh, it's like hairdressers competition. Yeah. But someone keeps like, you know bagging people to death <laughs> i mean it looks funny and it looks a little queer which i'm down with you know yeah. so like bring it on a24 i'll watch medusa deluxe yeah those those hair competitions this thing is like modeled on are fucking crazy though. yeah i've seen some of that some of the shit they do but they look like they have some legit design in this movie and uh, it does feel a24 it kind of feels like the dress a little bit mm-hmm. oh Maybe yeah a little tiny bit less quirky i yeah. don't know Maybe more, yeah. more fun and less quirky. I don't know. But definitely, I mean, like when it comes time for the Oscars and they have to do like hair and makeup, sheesh, yep. this is probably going to be up there. 
Next up, we've got Saw 10 or Saw X, which is in theaters in September. And again, you know, I, I, I was shocked to see that we are already on Saw 10, right? I only watched like the first two or three. Uh-huh. three I think. Same. And I stopped after three. After the the pool of uh, or the vat of needles that they had to like jump into, yeah. I was kind of done. And uh, I had no idea that four, five, six, seven, eight, nine existed. Um, I've seen posters and seen releases and always I'm kind of shocked that it continues. And so soon, like without breaks, like this has been going on for 20 years. Um, and now they're at Saw 10. And so that means they've essentially made one every two years since 20 years ago. I mean, it's a popular franchise. People still go see it in the theater. It makes money. right? Yeah. So of course they're going to make them. But again, yeah, like I totally lost interest. The thing is, this trailer looks way better than it was. This trailer looks great. Yeah. yeah. And it's a prequel, too. So it's, I feel like it's it's very smartly makes it accessible to the people that trailed off of the series. Because I remember the premise of the first three. Yeah. Right. And I remember especially the first one. And I remember that actress and I remember, you know, the main bad guy actor or whatever. And I remember the premise of his like surgery or whatever. And so this is a prequel. Mm-hmm. And so they've they've made him look like he did back then somehow. And it, it, the use of song and maybe just a great trailer. But for whatever this is, shockingly, it's a great trailer. I mean, I, I would probably watch this movie. Yeah. Although when I heard that they were making it, I immediately discounted it. Now that I've seen this, I'm like, OK, you know, maybe there's something there. Yeah. And there is. I mean, I feel like like the retribution or the beginning of his like serial killer esque career is here and I'm down for that. I mean, yeah. he's getting some comeuppance against like the medical professionals that wronged him. So good prequel. Looks like a good movie. Next up we have another season of Castlevania on Netflix coming out in September, and this one's called Nocturne. Yeah, it's actually a separate show. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Castlevania ended uh, a year or two ago. Maybe three years ago. I don't know. Uh, it was super fucking awesome. Uh, I'm normally not someone that runs to go see any kind of animation. Uh-huh. Uh, and certainly, you know, not even then, not into super like uh, Japan animation type of situation or anime. And uh, but I really got into to Castlevania, which maybe get into like Blood of Zeus and some of the other things that are coming out on Netflix by the same kind of studio. But it's super fucking gory, super really well written. Great, great characterization, great philosophy on like the nature of good and evil in these shows. They're talking about evil and good as choices versus nature, including with like vampires and stuff. So kind of Anne Rice area. There's like the gay itch with, you know, the powdered wigs and lube type of situation. Very queer in parts. Super, probably the most gore and horror mo- horrific mo- horror moments of anything I've seen in years in the Castlevania show. And so this is a new show. I think it's a prequel called Nocturne and the trailer is pretty good. I don't know. It's kind of keeping things close to the chest and they're keeping kind of the horror a little bit, but you do see some gore in the trailer. Yeah. So um, anyway, check it out. Uh, If you haven't already seen Castlevania, do so. It's an easy binge. Is it called Castlevania Nocturne? No, it's just called Castlevania. No, I know, but this one. This one's called Castlevania Nocturne. Yes. Okay, all right. Next up is uh, kind of like uh, what we just talked about, which was a show that is, well, in this case, it's still going on, but Castlevania had ended. Mm-hmm. And so now they're doing like kind of like a, a different series from a different perspective. I don't know that this is a prequel series because it's called Gen V based on, I guess, Compound V, mm-hmm. which is what they give to all these people as babies to have superpowers. But the public doesn't really know that, I guess. And um, so this is like the high school, I guess, prep i don't know college prep for uh, superheroes and um it looks very gory and interesting just like the boys edgy horror comedy yeah this does look good i mean i feel like it's very new mutancy 
you know, and I was very excited for New Mutants. And while I don't dislike that movie, like when they start making things that are kind of like that, I'm like, well, this is what it could have been, you know? Yeah. And I have no basis for what Gen V is supposed to be, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Versus I have a very good idea of what New Mutants was supposed to be because I'm a comics fan. Technically, The Boys is also a comic, but Gen V is like original material, I think, based on that universe. I kind of like the idea, and I, I always do, like, of, of like, super-powered young people, like, being taught and schooled together. Like, I just like the idea of that. Yeah. So, I mean, it looks it looks good. So Yeah. It looks like, like the main character can control blood. Her, her own blood and shit? Her own blood and others. And use it as a whip? Yeah. Yeah. Like, she can cut people with it and everything, and then she apparently exploded someone's dick mm-hmm. by exploding the blood inside his dick. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. Oh my god, it's the worst horror ever. Next up, we have a movie called The Kill Room, which is coming out in theaters in September. This movie stars Uma Thurman, Sam Jackson, et al., including another a hawk. Maya Hawk. Maya yeah. Hawk is in this with her mom, right? And I feel like this is a good return to form for Uma Thurman. She's I haven't seen, seen her in a while. It's been a it's been a bit. And it seems like she's back to her like you know, knowing wink acting style and whatnot. Cause she seems really fun in this. She does. It kind of reminds me of this whole thing. Reminds me of that Netflix show that came out back in 2018 or 2019 uh, movie that we saw about art. Oh yeah. Like I was like, I can't save you or whatever. So with the uh, Gyllenhaal. Yeah. And mm-hmm. who was the main chicken that, uh, that was from hereditary, right? Uh, yeah. Like the art dealer in that movie was Tony Collette. Yeah. So her character in this reminds me of Tony Collette. A little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it's like I it could have been that. the same. So she's kind of doing a Tony Collette thing. So I don't know. I don't know. I want I want another Kill Bill movie. <laughs> well, after that music league, yeah, I would like to have one as well. I don't we're not gonna get one, mm-hmm. at least not from Tarantino. No. But uh at least I mean having a line in the trailer was like, I know that money laundering is a crime, but murder <laughs> I mean, come on. That's fun. Yeah. I mean it's a stacked cast. So um It is, it looks fun. I'm here for this. And that's in theaters in September. Next up, we've got The Exorcist Believer. This is the fourth Exorcist movie, as far as I know, unless you count the Exorcist prequels, Mm -hmm. in which case it would be the sixth. One, two, three, four, five. This would be the sixth one, yes. Yeah. So this is in theaters in October, which I thought we would have been getting more trailers for things coming out in October by now. Yeah, well, I mean, this one, it seemed like it wrapped not too long ago, and they have hurriedly, I feel like, edited this movie. They may have edited the trailer before it's even finished completely. Yeah, I don't know, but it it looks okay to me. Yeah, I mean, it it looks like a non-offensive, like, exorcist continuation. I just, I don't know, I don't, I don't have full faith in this director. After seeing what he did in the last three Halloween movies, there's some great, there's some horrible in them right it's just not consistent and so if he's trying to go this is two points are aligned not a pattern but he's going to these other franchises and bringing the old actresses back is what he's doing with jamie lee curtis and now whatever her name is ellen bernstein ellen bernstein who is an amazing actress um you know i just don't want her to you know maybe he's going to go to terminator next or maybe he's going to go the alien franchise next he's good at getting these things these things off the ground and getting the actresses back but i'm like find someone that can make him produce or something and like get neil blomkamp in there you know fucking james cameron again i don't fucking care or just stop altogether yeah or just stop i mean like he's not responsible for getting um uh linda hamilton back for the stupid terminator movie that just came out but and i mean like this movie seems fine you know, I feel like they give a lot away in the trailer. Um, and this is one of those instances yeah. where I'd rather have not seen a trailer to begin with, you know, because yeah. I 
Like I, w- I will see this movie regardless of what the trailer is or what the buzz is like. I mean, because I like The Exorcist and I like that franchise. I've seen them all. And I will watch this one too. But I was just like, okay, like none of it seems fresh really to me. Well, they, they're they're forgetting like the Spiel- what we would describe now maybe as like the Spielbergian quality of these movies being about something that they're really not or at least having a separate movie kind of in the subtext. Right. And so all these sequels have something to do with just just focusing on the exorcism. They're just focusing on the demon or whatever. Versus if you look at the original movie, a lot of it's about the priest and like his own issues with his mother and that whole subtext going on, which was some of the scariest moments of the movie outside of the room with the actual exorcism happening, you know, and so it was kind of layered. And that's what these sequels have been missing, you know, with the exception of maybe Exorcist 3 a little bit. I feel like at this point, David Gordon Green is just like saying, what franchise can we reboot to make money? You know what I mean? And then you look at like recognizable horror franchises that, that are easily rebootable. It feels like he's having a career and and not having an artistic moment. Exactly. So, I mean, like that that first Halloween reboot, I liked. Everything else after that, hit or miss, right? And then The Exorcist is also supposed to be another like trilogy of movies that oh. he's making. And I'm like, I hope to God that these movies haven't already been greenlit. You know? I really Let's hope, see what the first one's like. First. Exactly. And I'm, I'm hoping that this isn't going to end on like, you know, some sort of, you know, cliffhanger, you know, because it, it, it already looks very straightforward. It looks like, okay, there's an exorcist. There's a girl that gets possessed. Exorcism happens. They call in the big guns instead of father Marin. It's, you know, Ellen Bernstein and so on and so forth. But this time there's two, you know what I mean? It almost feels like there was supposed to be the sequel. Yeah. You know, which is what they did with Halloween. I mean, I, I feel like he's probably going to be retconning some things in this. I'm sure. Bit, you you know, know, what happened to Linda Blair? Oh, she died. You know, I'm like, fuck you. This is his shtick at this point. Yeah. So I very much like Nicole said in her comment, like I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic for this, you know, cause trailers have proved me wrong in the past, even recently. And like, maybe it's going to turn out to be a very frightening, very good horror movie. I think that it has a lot to live up to maybe a hell of a lot more than Halloween as far as just like cinema goes. But I don't know if you're trying to top, you know, a Friedkin exorcist, then I mean, I just don't think that can happen. If he owns a gun and he's firing it on set, then maybe there's hope. If only. As long as he's traumatizing those those child actors. (laughs) We could only wish. Guys, I think that just about wraps up this very long extended anniversary edition of Shooting the Flames. As always, we like your comments and questions and emails and such. You can find us on social media at The Film Flamers on Instagram, Threads, Facebook, and X. (laughs) (laughs) That feels weird. I know. Uh, You can also email us at tiredqueens at filmflamers.com or call our hotline at 972-666-7733. Step into my slaughterhouse. Shake my magic eight balls. Wait, don't shake them. Not at this time. <laughs> Fondle. <laughs> uh, we like those reviews. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us one. We're reading on Shooting the Flames. And head over to patreon.com slash thefilmflamers. Get all of our bonus content. Join the family. We have some coming out for you this month. Because we are talking about what, Chris? We are talking about Prey. And Predator. 
to kick us off on that franchise for a summer blockbuster. And I think we might be covering Predator 2 over on Patreon or giving our patrons a poll to decide which sequel to the Predator franchise we should cover. Yep. So head over to patreon.com slash the film flamers. Like I said, vote in that possible poll and hear all the bonus episode that's already there for you. Well, Robert. Yes, Chris. I think it's time for me to turn this fucking air conditioner back on because this has been a long ass recording and it's 110 degrees outside and it's mm. going to be about 95 in here. That's right. We are just right smack in the middle of a fucking sweat lodge. Goddamn wigwam. But this is <laughs> but this is what we do for five years in a wigwam. <laughs> right. All right, everybody. Let's go off and have some sweet, sweet dreams. dreams. I'm turning it on right now. Right meow. Oh, God. Blessed air. Open your flap. Open your flap. Blow into my slotha house. Give me your gentle zephyr. (laughs) 